Yeah, so this is our free basketball podcast brought to you by the Lead Sports Media. Um, so basically, we brought everything over here where it could be live um, so we could actually interact with more people, hopefully. Um, so obviously, uh, it's hit or miss on who's actually in the room and who actually wants to interact. Uh, but today, usually there's three of us. Cody could not be here, previous engagement. So I'm probably going to record something with him separately on Sunday. So it's just me and Danny. Danny, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, a, a nice little Thursday. Not bad. How are your March Madness, or I guess conference tourney college basketball bets going so far? Yeah, that's. I'm literally in the worst role ever. Um, I did hit um, a few minutes ago. I hit um, God. Who was that? Um, they just St. Peter's. Yes, I got uh, that one. Yeah, that who was? Yeah, I hit St. Peter's. So that's the first one I've won today. Just so, no, Ooh. yeah. Just so we're clear. Yep, I'm one for eight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to be three and two because I took Creighton mm. minus ten, and they're blowing the doors off Butler. So, um, wow. yeah, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel good about that. I just made that bet just because I had a slow start. I was like zero oh, and two. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna throw it to the wall and just see if I'm gonna have a terrible day or not. And I've rebounded. I've had three in a row, so feeling okay. Got a couple more out still to go, so it could still turn south. The night is still young. Um, just with me, you know, hopefully I'm not chasing the bad bets at 930 at night. So, um, let's get into this a little bit (laughs) all the time, only all the time. (laughs) Uh, this is, this is an NBA podcast. I have been very distracted because March is my favorite month. I'm absolutely obsessed with March Madness. I've never actually been. I was going to go last year in Greensboro. Wife bought me tickets. We're going to go Charlotte. She's got family out there. It was a perfect situation. She's going to hang out with family. And I was going to spend two straight days um, just living in the Greensboro, uh, that region. And of course, everyone knows it was canceled by COVID. So I still have not been to a March Madness tournament game yet. But I will someday, maybe next year. Uh, But March Madness is my favorite. So I've been very distracted with it. So it's been kind of nice to have a break from the NBA, kind of our all-star break, because I've really honed in on March Madness stuff. But with the NBA, we're going to do some all-star game reactions. Um, maybe not particularly about the game so much, maybe about kind of the players and just the night in general. And then we're going to kind of go over, we did like first and second quarter predictions. I kind of want to recap what our second quarter predictions was and see if we're on the right track or not. And then we're going to do kind of a final, um, the second half of the season, which basically started yesterday, you know, with the Grizzlies. um, And kind of give some predictions and thoughts about that coming up and maybe talk about some trade stuff because it feels like, a couple notable names, maybe if they're older and everyone feels like they're washed up. Um, they're still interesting to talk about because they could fit in some of these teams. So let's jump into this straight away, Daniel. Did you watch the entirety of All-Star Night? We used to say All-Star Weekend, but this was literally All-Star Night. No, I actually missed the um, skills challenge. Uh, I don't even know what I was doing. I think I was actually sitting at home. 
uh, watching Jenny and Georgia on Netflix. That's probably what I was doing. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, your wife will soon show you. Don't worry. Um, it's it's actually pretty good, um, weirdly enough. But uh, Miss Skills Challenge um, did tune in for the probably the second quarter, third quarter of the All-Star game. Uh, and then caught the uh, dunk contest for the most part. I went to see uh, Aduki, uh, Cassius Stanley in there. So he got robbed early on and then just kind of blew up. Uh, so I do believe that it was okay. Probably the worst dunk contest we've seen in a while. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, it was all right. But I, I saw a lot of what we're going to talk about, and I do have some good takes on our Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't watch the skill challenge either. I had before it even started, a couple of days before when they announced who was participating. I picked Sabonis to win, and yep. of course, I didn't actually follow that up with actually placing mm. a wager on it. So, Same. what a loser I am! So I picked yep. the winner, and that would have been a nice little chunk of change. But um, I had Booker in the three point contest, and of course, he you know injury backed out. Um, and then the game itself was just whatever. I'm sure we'll talk about thoughts that we had. Like it was just a three-point shooting contest, basically, just in running up and down form. Um, so the actual game itself, you had a couple notes. The biggest thing that stuck out to me was Giannis won MVP. And yes, he had an incredible stat line. He did not miss a shot. I think he was three for three from threes. The rest were completely uncontested, wide-open dunks. Um, And I think two of the threes he made were banked in. And I knew he was going to get MVP of the All-Star game. And I didn't actually think he was deserving of an MVP. I thought Steph or Dame were much more engaging and entertaining throughout that game than anything that Giannis did. Is that in your notes at all, Danny? No. Giannis was the best player on the court. That night, he had the best stat line, uh, just being very honest. So why, how in the world do you think, just because you are bleeding a little bit of what Cody was talking about the other day and all being all entertained, come on. He was the best player. He did not miss a <laughs> shot besides a free throw or two, two of them. He baked in two threes, and the rest are just wide-open dunks. No one's going to challenge Giannis. Giannis is like the only person who goes hard in an all-star game. Like, no, Steph and Dame are shooting from half court. Get out of here with that. That was the most fun part of that. Steph pulling up from half court, Death, Dame hitting half court. I was way yeah. more interested by what those two were doing. What are we, yeah. giving away a Anything. car? <laughs> at a, at a halftime of a college game? <laughs> D, D3? Come on. Get out of here. <laughs> well, what was one of the opinion thoughts that you had about the game? Well, just looking through the stat sheet uh, itself, you can kind of see some of these people just aren't ready to be all-stars. And can I give you a, a kind of a tidbit? Zion Williamson. He's just not ready. Oh, Lord. He wasn't ready. The, the stage was way too big for our big fella. <laughs> I would I would rather watch Jonas Valanciunas get 20 rebounds than watch Zion miss 74 dunks. Yeah, I made a joke with our old buddy Sandeep that he put on Twitter about him missing so many dunks, and I said he'd still 
had the Wayne sauce on his fingers from uh, Magic City. So that's why he was just dropping all those ducks. So he wiped off the wing sauce and he was good to go. You know, he had like 12 or 14 points still on just completely uncontested dunks and layups. But that's basically what the all-star game is now, right? It's just uncontested dunks and whoever can get hot from the three-point range. Is that kind of how you feel like the all-star games devolved into? There's no defense. Um there's not like sets being run. It's literally one-on-one. And I kind of feel bad for the big man. I've, like the all-star game has always kind of been for me, at least in the past few years, like the odds are against a big man doing well in an all-star game, right? Like yeah. you literally have to dunk 20 times and some of them have to be spectacular for you yep. to even be thought of as one of the top guys in the all-star game. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 so stupid. I, I I actually hate the All Star Game. It's just dumb to me. It just it, there's no defense. And last year it was a really good kind of turnout, just because they were you know, I guess trying. And Kobe just passed, and they felt like, oh, you know what? I need to live up to my expectations in life. And then this year, back to LeBron basketball, where nobody really tries very hard. Yeah. And it didn't help that the game was a blowout. KD um, obviously wasn't there for injury. And then right before, the day before, you know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid were out for uh, health and safety protocols, which really put a damper on the night, I feel like, because it felt like everyone started to pile up on, good job, Adam Silver, way to go. Is this worth it to you? So I I felt like they kind of took a PR hit heading into All-Star night. So I haven't actually looked at, if the ratings were poor for that game, I feel like, you know, still true NBA fans watched it, but it doesn't it didn't feel like going into the night that it was um kind of a must-see kind of night, kind of how it's usually built up to be. I don't know if it yeah. felt that way to you, if it felt like a normal All-Star game to you. It it didn't. It it felt like honestly just nothing. Uh, it felt like uh, a weird, random preseason game with a lot of expensive people out there. I don't, mm. it, yeah, it's, <laughs> it was nothing. But it, but you can see a lot of these players, um, and, and I don't know if you're going to get in that too much, but like uh, Zach Levine, dude, he's just not – you can see the difference of these players on the court next to each other. Like Mike Conley, love him to death. He is not on a, another tier of, of all-star. He is on the third-ish, maybe fourth tier of actually being a real all-star. When you put them all up there on the same court together, one does not look like the others. And I, I can easily see that when I'm looking at uh, Julius Randle, Vucevic, Conley, uh, Levine, really, and, and – you could kind of see a little bit of Donovan Mitchell, but I think he's okay just because he can play enough. You know, he's very athletic, but pretty much the whole bench of Team Durant was tier three to tier four all-star. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting thing to talk about because it did seem – I think that's when I brought it up to you because it did seem like a very like obvious who's a superstar and who is just like an all-star, right? Right. Um, not saying that being an all-star is a bad thing. Obviously, they're really good players and should be there. But there is just a very defined jump in levels. Um, and so, like, players that 
without a doubt, superstars. Like, I felt that way about Kyrie, definitely a superstar, just a complete level above. Um, Steph, Dame, you know, Giannis, LeBron, obviously. Um, I'm not going to remember the roster right off my head, but, like, these are guys that just, they're obviously a level above some of the guys that were on the court. And I think Zach Levine is a good mention of that. Um, and like he goes back with the big man, you just kind of feel bad for the big man. So it's kind of a gauge of who's a legitimate superstar slash all-star and who's a guy that's having a really good start to their season. Um, and, and that's kind of how I see it. I don't know if you feel the same way. Like Zach Levine's having a great start to his season. He definitely should be an all-star. But is he a superstar on the level of those? Not even close, you know? Yeah, um, it- they did not look like it, at least. Like, just by judging yeah. and looking out there, great great first half, playing a little over your head. Um, but I think when you look at um, – when it comes to trading, I think that in the end usually will show itself to what these GMs and front offices will think about these players. But I think we got a little bit of the insight to seeing them, seeing a Zach Levine on the same court – as a Bradley Bill, I know that they could play against each other, and that's fine. I'm talking about compared around other superstars. You would think, okay, maybe I'm not going to go drop two first-rounders and a uh, promising young player for a Zach Levine compared to a Bradley Bill. I'm just not judging both of them, looking on there. No matter if one, such as Mike Conley, is a great basketball player and very good for a, a team, you're still not dropping that amount of uh, trade value and you know on on the somebody to trade and get them. So I think seeing people like that, you end up thinking otherwise. And so I, I'm I'm curious if that actually hurt Zach Levine's trade value. I don't know if it hurt the trade value because I think there is something to it being your first All Star game. Um, sure. It feels like sure. everyone's first All Star game. They just kind of get their feet wet. They don't really know what's going on. They just seen it on TV, but now it's like, okay, if I'm going to do anything as All-Star game, I can't pass. <laughs> like, I have to shoot the ball. Um, so it may just be one of those kind of instances where it's like, hey, first time. He just looked like he had no idea where to go, what to do. Um, so I don't know if it's harsh to say that, you know, I don't know if it hurts him as a value of a player. Um, but it did, this is kind of off on a tangent, but this is a locker room, right? We can do that. Um, <laughs> it did, did make me think about all of those guys are listed as superstars aging, right? Like right. who knows with LeBron, um, how long he's going to play, but Steph, I mean, do we realistically see Steph in the league for the next five years? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think Kyrie, Steph, I... Kyrie's. 30, 31, like the history of smaller point guards like that in health isn't a great track record. I mean, CP3 is really the outlier for that, outlier for that. Um, So it got me thinking about that next crop of young players coming up, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and what this all-star game might be eventually. And like, are we kind of in one of the golden ages of the NBA with player talent? Because the top guys that were the superstars, once they're gone, like the level that you have currently coming up, I mean, 
are they as exciting or are they going to be able to carry the league like Steph Curry, LeBron, KD, Kyrie, you know, even Russell Westbrook, even though, you know, you can have opinions about him. He was, he carried a franchise basically for a little while. Uh, Does that ever, does that ever enter your mind at all? Or is it just in the moment, whatever? I think there's so much crossover that I don't think that really, that that doesn't really come to my mind too often because um, like Steph, he is 32 and he probably will be out, I'd say at 38. And if he wants to play longer, he probably could. Um, Just for the simple fact that a shooter can find a role on the bench if he really wants to. Um, I don't, I, I don't shooting I, his shot will not go away. His defense a hundred percent will, but is his shooting still going to be so good that it could go away? Yes. But I, I think in the end, if you look down the line, you have just in the last few drafts, a, a Luca, a jaw, LaMelo, just to name those three back to back to back. I, now you have a Cade Cunningham coming up. I think that there's um, – and, and well, I won't want to miss your guy, Suggs. That's right, right? Suggs? <laughs> yeah, Jalen Green? Suggs, yes. Suggs, and yes, Jalen Green. Yep. yep. Um, I thought – I was like, you know what? That might, might be their first name. Uh, so, I think when you look <laughs> back on it, I think there's enough crossover that it. we, we think in that way because we think of LeBron, Steph, um, and even maybe, and maybe even Giannis. Giannis is is still young. Like I, even Kawhi, just to name some people that were you know MVPs in the past. I don't think that it, it ever is that big of a deal. You might not have the the person that is on the Steph and LeBron level, but I think the the league is always in a good spot because you're still going to have these top tier players continuously being brought up because that's what the league does. And they're eventually going to have LeBron's kid come, who probably isn't going to be on the level of LeBron, but you're still going to have that top-tier talent that's going to be able to cross over uh, a lot of these uh, years and, you know, careers. Hmm. I just It's just something random that hit me during the All-Star game. It's like, man, what is this going to look like in six years? You know, because Luca will be, what, 27 entering his prime? Um, yeah. You know, Jokic will be close to 30, maybe, um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns will be 30. Um, and I don't even, I think he's made an all-star team. I can't even remember now, but it's just, it was, maybe that's a future debate for maybe after season, talk about that more in depth. Um, but let's actually get into kind of our second quarter stuff. Um, we had a couple of predictions. I'll just read yours and mine, Danny. I won't read Cody's since he's not here. Although his was very, very good. Um, Actually, I'm just going to read it anyways because this was pretty good. Uh, So for the second quarter of games, you know, the second 18 games, uh, Cody's prediction was that we will not know what the Nets really look like together. They will be a top three Mm. team but won't play a lot of games together, and they will sign Andre Drummond. That's a pretty damn good prediction. (laughs) Pretty good. Um, you said that the Memphis Grizzlies would be a solid six to eight seed in the playoff picture after okay. the second quarter of games. Currently sitting ninth, okay. so not too bad. 
but they're right there. They're right there in the mix. So not a terrible prediction. Um, and I said the Toronto Raptors would be above 500 team. Whoa. And of course, currently they're 17 and 19. <laughs> so I was close. <laughs> I was close, but they did definitely rebound uh, from where they started. So it was at least they're close. So I feel, I feel okay about it. Uh, but the second half stuff, like what I know we've had a bunch of players already getting bought out. Blake Griffin already signed with the Nets. LaMarcus Aldridge are looking forward to trading. Um, still monitoring Anthony Davis's injury. Andre Drummond uh, stuff is circulating. I mean, what's, what's the whole second half of the season? What does it boil down to for you? Um, as in trades, I'm kind of trying to find my path here because I have a lot, a lot of different directions I can go. You don't have to do trades, just kind of a general overall. Do you think it's going to kick up a notch? Oh, Will yeah. Things get more competitive now that we've had, you know, everyone's I, not necessarily gotten the COVID right. stuff, you know, under control, but teams are starting to get back healthy. Um, they're starting to, now they have, you know, 30 to 35 games under their belt. Um, are we right. going to start seeing some teams making a run or what's your overall general thoughts? Yeah. So I think that this upcoming stretch is going to be a, let's make sure we keep everyone healthy, uh, take time off as needed. Try to see if we can all kind of hold 500 basketball right now and then make a push towards the end because, I, just looking at these games, you know, and just, you know, because I'm a, I'm a Grizzlies, I, I live here. They play every other day the rest of the year. There's no two days off in a row. It's every other day. So they're going to look at games that they might be able to catch a break and where they can give somebody, you know, three days off by, you know, having them set out a game. And so if you're looking at some of these you know, stretches that, you know, for the for example, the Grizzlies might have, they play on the second night of a back-to-back against the Phoenix Suns on the road after they, you know, they play, you know, I think it's Sunday against the Thunder on the road, and then they go play Tuesday against uh, Phoenix in Phoenix. I'm sorry, back-to-back, so it'd be Monday. So you would probably go ahead and say, you know what, let's aim for the Thunder game, but sit out the Phoenix game. Well, what are other teams possibly looking at? The Grizzlies, not not a great team, not a bad team. They might look at them and say, you know what? We might be able to, to win a game because we're playing Denver two nights before. We might be able to take a break against the Grizzlies. So we're going to play against Denver, try to catch a win, and then somehow not play people um, up against the Grizzlies and still try to catch another win. So they will be going for the win, but they – we'll make sure they get their people rest. And so I think you're going to see a lot of that. It's going to be even more annoying than it was in the past. Um, And so I think that that could be a lot of 500 basketball because you're going to have a pick and choose kind of lineup going forward. So typically in the second half after all-star break, you know, a couple of teams make their move, you know, the cream rises to the top and they separate from the bottom. So you think with this scheduling thing that you think everyone's going to kind of be in the mix, you know, from six to, you know, 13 or 14 could be in the mix for this play in or even a six seed straight out. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be very close. I think you're going to see the last month or so of the season be very, very um, kind of turned up a little bit. And uh, Austin uh, came up here as well. I kind of want to give him a second to speak. He he brought up about the seating and not really even mattering. So, uh, Austin, if you got something, go ahead, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, yeah, I mean, I know they're – I forget what list of teams are accepted now. I know teams like a 25% capacity, a few more are letting fans in. But even then, I can't, I can't really even fathom – like how much does 25% capacity mean in terms of home court? Like, is it really like you can see them kind of like, but I just can't right. fathom like how much does that really impact the energy of the game? So yeah, if you're a strong team that's been there or just has a lot of talent, like the Lakers or whatever, like in the Clippers, like, is it, you got to ask yourself, like, does it really matter if we're the third seed or the sixth seed? Like matchups matter. You might want to fight for matchups. You can help it. But in terms of overall seeding, like, eh, I mean, if you're a team that has all the talent, like even Brooklyn, like do they really care if they're the third or sixth seed? They probably shouldn't. They probably want to get some reps in with their guys. But there are certain teams like, eh, we'd rather have our guys clicking, being hot at the right time, ready to go, as opposed to, you know, really fighting for a home court advantage that really doesn't feel like much of an advantage. So, yeah, like you said, like I think teams would be more focused on being healthy, being sure they're rolling and that they're, you know, clicking. Because a lot of teams right now, like I'm a Spurs fan, and even Derek Wright pressed on us the other day. Guys have been out for COVID. Getting back into rhythm is so difficult once you are in and out so sporadically. So just gaining a, like a natural rhythm is a big thing for these teams right now, especially going to the post. Ryan, are you dead? No. All right. I'm well, sorry. I will take off. Um, <laughs> I thought you had. A, I thought you had a follow up. No, I didn't. No, but I was. I was going to try to say something. Um, so on that, uh, just thinking about it. Like Texas, they just announced with the open air in the Texas Rangers Stadium. Um, yeah. They just opened that they're going to go pretty much full capacity. Um, yeah. I'm curious. If you, see, I'm, uh, you might see Dallas, uh, maybe San Antonio have more fans. And those aren't small markets. But even the Grizzlies have some fans. So I'm curious if these small market fans – might have a kind of a home court advantage uh, when it comes to playoff time. I mean, part of my concern is right now the governor of Texas did an open mask mandate, so you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Right. Which I, it's just purely <laughs> asinine. <laughs> it's just God. But, I mean, because it's also one of the worst states right up there in New York and Florida at the time of when this was at its peak of how bad it was. But anyway, Pop said that we don't follow the rules of the governor. We follow our own rules. So hopefully that means – less likely of a COVID outbreak. But I, I'm worried about, you know, the risk of exposure, not only letting all those fans back in, the Spurs think are at 25% at least, but, like, also there's no mask mandate. So no one cares anymore at all. They they already didn't care in the first place. But now they absolutely <laughs> don't care at all because they have no one to tell them no. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, like, constantly worried, like, because the Spurs are right now are just getting over the whole COVID thing. They didn't even really have it. They just had exposure. Right. To, which put him out. But if one of those guys gets it, especially a team that doesn't have a lot of natural, like really overwhelming talent, like you need every man on board. You at least need all your starters on board. Like Memphis can't lose two starters, or you know, Spurs can't lose a starter, and Dallas doesn't have any depth lead, so they certainly can't miss anyone come postseason. I'm worried about the risk factor that plays into that. So it's just, yeah, they may have more fans, but also it's probably a risk for them as well at this point, especially with no mask mandate. That's true. Yeah, that's what that's kind of what I was going to follow up with that was like is the NBA going to continue to enforce 
you know, size limitations in states that decide to reopen? And will they enforce a mass mandate to come into their stadiums? That's what I'm kind of curious is going to happen. I don't know if you've heard anything about that, Austin, specifically with, you know, Texas doing no mass mandate. I mean, I haven't specifically heard that the NBA is going to, like, force, continue to, like, enforce, not force, but enforce that people have masks on in games. That's um, actually I, a really I, good I don't know. question. I would sure as hell hope so, because if you're going to put this many penalties, which I get it, I'm not against it, but if even if just basic exposure, not even that you have it, means you're gone for 10 days to two weeks, then please enforce it on the fans that go into there, especially if it's going to be you know, close-knit. Or even like you said, the small market teams have re- really passionate fan bases. Like saying, like said, Spurs for sure, it's really tight-knit community down there. So it'll, it'll be packed if you give them the chance. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I haven't heard any actually word myself, but I sure hope so. You think if they're going to keep those rules in place and those type of guidelines in place, they should – you can't go case by case here because then, I don't know, you, you might as well do like a general sweep and say, yes, we're still keeping it in place for everyone because you can't just go city by city. That sounds like a nice Yeah, the, the NBA is going to make sure they enforce mask during games. If you're watching a game – you're going to have a mask on. That's not going to change. Businesses in our in our country are still implementing. No matter if the state of Mississippi said no more masks, their businesses are saying you still got to wear masks. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> because you know our uh, my my spot in Tunica, the old Gold Strike, um, is in Mississippi, and you know Mississippi did say no mask mandate, but you for sure still got to wear one in the Gold Strike. <laughs> so yeah, I I I, uh, I, <laughs> I imagine that that is what NBA will do because yeah, trying to um, like police what's happening in each individual thing in some states getting it more than others just seems like a pretty slippery slope that Adam Adam Silver probably does not want to deal with individually. So yeah, I would assume that probably not going to get a huge advantage for those states that go try to go back to normal quote unquote um especially in the playoffs but since we're talking about the spurs let's just go ahead and mention some of the marcus aldridge stuff since he said that you know pop and them came out so they're trying to find a solution for him i assume that means that he believes or he realizes that he's in the twilight of his career and he would prefer to go to a contender that is reading between the lines on my end. I could be way off, but I would assume a, a, a player of LaMarcus's caliber and the, and the career all-star worthy career that he has had, he's going to want to try to go out on top. So Daniel, I'm sure you've thought about this. Are there a few teams that are actual contenders that you think would one, not only want to get LaMarcus, but two, that you think LaMarcus would actually go two, and three, if it would actually be a good fit for LaMarcus or not. All right. I, you know I don't have to nap me fingers, so I have to use my toes. So I think you said three <laughs> things I need to answer. Um, just talk about just talk I'm about joking. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we all know I'm not smart. So uh, my number one team that jumped off the uh, the list for me somebody down the road in Dallas, I think they can use a big man. And I know that it might be an easier switch 
is to go to the Mavericks. I don't know if that's exactly where he would want to go, but um, if you look at the playoff teams, for example, um, Utah, no. Phoenix, I don't know why, uh, besides why, what, you might. Be, be, before you keep go going, why no, to, why no to Utah? There's no, I, I just don't, one, I don't know if he's the right color. Is that bad to say? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's bad Listen. to say. Those Star people can be really <laughs> rough. They're pretty rough out there. I'm just Can't saying. You just said that. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's been a Look, lot of uh, known understanding that they're not <laughs> of the liking of some people. So I, you're saying look, grab Myers Leonard instead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll take him. Um, here's how they'll. Ju- here's how they would justify that. Oh, Myers Leonard's younger, more athletic. That's why yeah, they want him. Exactly. Uh, no. Anyway. When I first thought about this with Lamarcus, I thought the Jazz would be a perfect fit for him. Um, I mean, he's not going to wow. start, but he would be a uh, good bull. off the bench guy. Like, who's coming off the bench for them that you're really worried about? Like, if you're the Jazz and going to be, you know, an actual title contender and you're going to make your run. Like, it's going to be about your bench. And uh, LaMarcus Aldridge in 20 to 25 minutes, I think is a really solid bench player for them. You don't agree okay. with that? that? That would be fine, but he could also go start for the Mavericks. Okay. Why would you? You could start along, alongside Porzingis. They, they have Willie Cauley-Stein out there. Maxi Kleba. Come on. They, he, those two are garbage, and, and they're starting. Uh, whatever Powell, whatever his name, Dwight Powell, he's out. No, not Dwight Powell. Uh, whatever his name is, he's out Maxi there. Like, <laughs> no, the other guy, Powell. I, anyway, he actually played well against the Grizzlies. The reason I remember his name, um, he could start. He could start, and they need a big man, um, that can play defense, which he can, but also, you know, Fill, fill it up. Like he is very good and stretches the floor with them. And he would be pretty good through pick and rolls with uh, Luca. I, I think that would be the best fit. You can go to Portland, but you already have Nurkic there. I, I don't know if, if he wants to go back to Portland. Uh, but that's the only two I would say is, is Dallas and Portland. Uh, you can go to New York if you really want to uh, and be with the Knicks. I don't know anywhere else that you really want to go with because teams like Toronto, Charlotte, Miami, Boston probably is a very good fit. Uh, but the rest of the teams don't really need you. So you are taking a backup role. And if you talk about backup role, then at that point you can go to anybody you want. You can go to, you can go to the Lakers if you really want to. Um, well, I'll, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm done with my rant. Well, I'm going to ask this to Austin specifically since he's probably watched the sports, the Spurs way more than we have and knows a lot more about um, Marcus Aldridge than we do, you know, from watching at a distance or on TV or through the playoffs in the past. If you were LaMarcus Austin, what if you had your choice of any of the top um, contenders, East or West, what do you think a team would be that would be a good fit for him? Um, so I would say first things first, LaMarcus can't play power forward. If you put him at power forward, he's going to get eaten alive on defense. He's going to get murdered. So if you are going to throw him out there, you better hope you have some great rim protection and good rotations to cover him because otherwise he's going to regurgitate points the other end. So that's, 
That's, that's why him and Jakob Pertl couldn't play together because they just he has to play center to be at his most effectiveness. Otherwise, it's going to be a bloodbath. Like he can still score on smaller guys. Don't get me wrong, but like unless he's playing center, even then he's going to get he's going to still give up points. If you put him anywhere else, he's especially on the perimeter. He's going to just it's going to be ugly. So I say Boston would be the easiest place to go to because they have that thirty million hmm. TPE still from the uh, Gordon Hayward trade. Therefore, it's the easiest way to match contracts. And all they if they just gave us a first or whatever, I, I'd be fine with that. And they have the TPE, and boom, that's like the easiest sign, seal, delivered trade. Other teams, you still have to match that twenty six, twenty seven million dollar contract somehow. So for for Dallas, you're giving up Cleaver and Tim Hardaway. So I'm like, you're going to have to give up some probably more valuable guys than what you're getting back. And you got to figure out is that worth it. Um, so Boston would be easy. It's like, I think he'd do fine. I think most places you'd have to be a backup because even though he could theoretically play next to Porzingis and Nurkic, I just think the fit's going to be really awkward unless he's just basically Brooke Lopez out there. But even then, like I said, at the four, he's going to get killed on defense, absolutely killed. So I think in the right situation, he could do the backup role um, as long as he's still getting some pretty good minutes and as long as he's winning. But the thing was, in those last few games with us, he was moving to the backup role anyway because with Jakob, we were a much better team than with Marcus. We were fast. We're athletic. We got guys that run and gun now. And he just couldn't keep up with a faster-paced system. So Jakob Pertl was outright taking his spot in the starting lineup because of the fit and because we were getting wins better with Jakob than with Marcus. So, I mean, the, uh, the big takeaway from what Woj said is that he expects a trade can't happen as early as next week. That's big. And he says a buyout is not likely. So that means they're already trade partners lining up. The Heat have been one I've heard for sure. I don't know how you match contracts. Maybe Kelly Olenek. <laughs> I don't know if it works anymore, but <laughs> Myers Leonard, they're both expiring. <laughs> but then again, the Heat don't have any trade capital. They don't have any picks unless they want to give up Precious. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name. But uh, if, maybe they can throw in Precious as a sweetener. But the matching the salaries part, that's the toughest. And from the way I see it, Boston has the clearest path to do so if they strike out on their pursuit of Jeremiah Grant. Mm. That, I didn't even consider the Celtics. It would be an interesting fit, but I am kind of curious how um, defensively, like you said, since he struggles at the four and he's most suspect, effective at the five, Celtics are kind of missing that interior presence especially on defense, but on offense, it would fit in like a glove. So I, yeah. I am interested by the potential look of that. That would be interesting to me. Would that intrigue you at all, Daniel? Yeah, I, um, I, I love the Celtics fit. I don't know if anybody outside of the Celtics because of their TPE, that I don't, I don't think anybody trades for him. And I know you said uh, that Woj, you know, thought that there would not be likely that he gets a buyout, but man, that's a lot of money. Unless you have expiring people that you're wanting to get off of anyway, and you have excessive draft picks, and you're willing to throw in a second, but I don't know what else. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know what in the world you would do. I, just, I mean, the I good that boggles my mind that somebody would. Expiring. Lamarcus is an expiring contract, right. so that kind of makes it easier to stomach. And maybe we can take back a bad contract as long as you make that compensation work. Like maybe that can work out. But the only teams I heard is I think the Suns might be interested, and then the other reported team was Miami. So I don't know. If you give me a, a, a pack of Skittles and a few second rounders, and we're all good to go, I'll, I'll pack the bags for them. 
<laughs> well, talking <laughs> As a Heat fan, I'm gonna be honest. I do not want Lamarcus Aldridge on my team. He's too. <laughs> what if I said he's too slow? What if I said look, he's points. he's still good offensively, but he's just too slow. And, and the last thing that Heat need right now is another slow defensive player. I would want Rudy Gay. I heard Rudy Gay trade yes. a block, but, but I don't want Lamarcus. Lamarcus is good. I'm not gonna discredit him, but right now he just can't guard nobody. No, he can't. Mm. It's tough. I mean, he shoots really well. That's his biggest plus. Is and God, I wish he did this sooner. And just like Blake Griffin, because I saw Blake Griffin live a few times in San Antonio back in 2015, and I saw that jumper, and I thought, damn, that jumper is so smooth. If he took a few feet back, he could launch it from three, which he eventually did with Detroit. And I thought the same for Lamarcus. The shot was always there. He just waited too long into his career to start launching it from three. He shot like 37% last year off of like five attempts per game. I just, man, really wish he did that sooner in his career. But it's basically the only thing he can give you. And otherwise, he's also pretty good at exploiting mismatches he's still good at bullying guys in the paint but yeah defense he's well let's talk about Blake Griffin a little bit because um joining the Nets on a buyout market we had said earlier you know at the beginning of the season um that the Nets were probably going to be big players in the buyout market and they've tried um was it a big splash buyout signing for you Daniel with Blake Griffin I liked it. Um, I think that he has kind of been tanking and making sure he's been healthy the whole year. And I think now, after being bought out, a little re-energized, um, as you can see with like somebody like Rajon Rondo, does not care to come back and play for the, the Hawks. He's going to make sure he's taking care of himself uh, and hoping to get bought out uh, or even traded. Uh, so I think somebody like Blake Griffin's the same way. And I think that he can fit in very well with this team. He's shown that he doesn't really need the ball this late in his career. I think he can be a pick and roll guy, pick and pop guy. Um, and I think he can hit the open uh, three pointer. And so I think you'll see Blake Griffin uh, do more of the, uh, the Kevin Love type role when he was playing alongside LeBron and kind of see him, you know, flood towards the, the, the short corner and kind of hit that short three and then do a little pick and roll. And I don't think his defense is there, but nobody on that team's defense is there. So I think he'll fit in actually pretty well. <laughs> Here was my first thoughts about it. You said the Kevin Love role. I think that's too much of a uh, – like that's giving him too much praise. I actually kind of felt like he's the David Lee role off the bench that the Warriors needed, you know, before they got KD. Like David Lee would come off the bench. He'd give them solid minutes, you know, have a little pop on offense. Um, And he would just mix it up and it would be a different look. So Blake Griffin, to me, this signing, if he's completely washed, I guess we're going to find out soon enough over the next couple weeks. Um, I'm kind of with you that he's kind of been sandbagging a little bit for the first half of the season. I mean, the guy two years ago was on the All-NBA team. So uh, could he fall off that quickly? Sure. Uh, but the role I felt that he was going to be was going to be like the overqualified David Lee role that he had with the Warriors. Does that, I mean, if he's not asked to do too much, that seems perfect for him. And it's, I'm curious to see if he's going to buy into that. Like, is he going to care if he starts or not? Does he feel like he's going to have to? Um, like, is he going to piss, be pissed that DeAndre Jordan, his old running mate, is starting at center and he's not at power forward. Like, 
That's what I, that's what remains to be seen. I think is if he's going to buy into that. But to me, if he's going to really propel this Nets team to the level that they want to be at, and obviously at the championship level, he's going to have to be in the David Lee role. That's the fifteen hmm. to twenty-five minute range, the pop off the bench mismatch against the other team's second unit. Absolutely, that's spot on. I feel like the, the main thing with the Brooklyn Nets is like they needed another big body that could try and I'm not saying he could stop these dudes but you got to get a big man in there to try and help you know contain players like Embiid, Bam, Sabonis, possibly Vucevic so I mean Blake is going to be solid I think honestly he's going to be way more motivated because let's be honest like nobody's really trying to play in Detroit nobody and like, <laughs> you're right going going from Detroit to Brooklyn where you're where you're, where you're pretty much a, a bottom tier franchise going to a team that's you know probably the, the first favorite for a contender right now um, is motivating. I think really he's going to get a lot of good shots because you're playing with three all-time great scorers in James Harden, KD, and Kyrie. So I'm not saying he's going to average, you know, 18 or 15. I think he'll average probably like maybe like 10, maybe. At the, but I think he's, he's still, he'll still be solid for him. I think we're going to see a new motivated and, and kind of rejuvenated Blake Griffin. I think you guys uh, mostly nailed it. And I, I agree with the sentiment of that he wasn't really trying in the Pistons because he wasn't even asked to go there. He was, he was traded a few months into his contract after being shown a fake retirement ceremony by the Clippers. So, like, he didn't ask to be there for any of that. And, yeah, like, yeah, why would you try? You're, you're playing for a 20-win team and you're in Detroit. So, like, I ain't going to give up my body for that. But, yeah, now he has something to fight for. And on top of that, he kind of should have to f- feel the need to show out because he's going to be a free agent next in this offseason. So, now, so like, this is your time to, like, demonstrate that, hey, you still got it. You still have something to contribute. You can contribute to a winning team. You got to try to sell yourself not only for now but for the future of whoever next team you sign up with. He also didn't even take, like, the disabled exemption they got from Dinwood. He took the vet minimum. So I think they still have that $5 million disabled player's exemption to throw at a free agent. So very low risk. It doesn't work out. Cut them and get Drummond if you can. And if not, even better. But I think they have, like, this guy named Perry. Yeah, you went from some dude named Perry to Blake Griffin. So, yeah, that's a good (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he was pretty good at Mississippi State or whatever it was last year. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, it was. You bring up up Drummond – um, and I think that's kind of going to get to the end of talking about, you know, rumors going around, around with, you know, guys considered to be not top tier, but, you know, a guy that could help a team. Um, and that's Andre Drummond. I guess, first of all, Daniel, do you think Drummond is the type of player that could actually help a playoff team? Or has he always been a – well, definitely he's always been on bad teams, but definitely just the good stats because he's on bad teams, guy. Yeah, he will help out a lottery team. And I've said this in the past, he will make that lottery team have higher odds at higher picks. So mm. I do believe that he is a bad – he's a good stats, bad player, or good stats, bad team. Uh, I won't say he's a bad player. Um, I think he has shown the, but that's fine. Yeah, I know. This isn't (laughs) recorded or anything. Um, I think that this is a a player who can get you rebounds. If you, if you found the proper role, if you went to somewhere like, uh, like the, like the nets 
I think he would actually do well there just because they're so mu- they're so ISO basketball and he would not be needed to do anything. He might do, you know, pick and rolls, but for the most part, he can do, you know, play the shallow corner and the weak side shallow corner and just kind of catch uh, really just easy passes for layups. Uh, kind of the role I do in my old man's basketball game. I kind of stay out of the way, <laughs> try to pull my defender far away from the better players. Uh, and when they double team the the better player coming to the hoop, I usually just step in and grab a rebound or grab the pass and make a layup. So I, so, yeah, go so, ahead, go ahead. So so you're a bad stats bad team guy. No, I'm a I'm a bad stats good team guy. I know my role, <laughs> and I stay in my lane. But see, my, my thing with Jordan though is like I feel like. I think Drummond could help a contender. Like, honestly, like, uh, he doesn't – like Who? you said, he, obviously he's not the most skilled center or anything like that. But, like, when you get a player like that, you're not asking him to do much. You just need him to rebound and be a legitimate, you know, threat on defense and then, you know, be a good roller off the pick and roll. So, aside from that, it's like I think he could help a team like the Celtics. I think if the Lakers get him, that makes the Lakers – not necessarily better. I mean, I think it'll help him get a little bit better. Like, I think he's much better than Marcus Gasol right now. So, Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! I, I would agree with that, yeah. <laughs> Look, my, what? My, Drummond, my thing with Drummond <laughs> is we, we have yet to see Andre Drummond play real competitive basketball for a real winning team. So we don't really know what he would do. You know what I'm saying? Situations are important. Yeah, but why Why has none of his teams he's ever played on had a, had a winning record? He, that's a thing I think he's about. A, he's a fancier Hassan Whiteside. That's who he is. My guy, he played for the Detroit Pistons. The, the, oh. <laughs> yeah. There's they, a reason they, he's getting bought out and not traded, even as an expiring contract. And then in Cleveland, is there even any type of expectations for the Cavaliers? No, that's why they got Jared Allen instead. They said, we don't want Drummond anymore. We want Jared Allen. Exactly. <laughs> so that's my thing, like. Andre Drummond could help a contender. That's all I'm gonna say. I, I'm I'm so confident he could help out the Celtics in a major way. If he humbles himself and buys into a role, yes, because a lot of yeah. his own rebounds are based off his own missed layups. That's a lot of his rebounds. Like his true rebounding percentage is low for a reason. Because all of those rebounds is because he misses almost everything, even inside the paint. Like his defense, even is like slightly better than the Marcus. On on paper, it's not even that good. So if he can limit himself and realize his role and buy in, kind of, I don't want to say humble himself, like for him to like look himself in the mirror and say, "Hey, you suck. Don't do that." But like acknowledge that, hey, you're not. There's a limit to what you can do right now, especially in today's NBA. So you better buy into a smaller role, or you're in trouble of being out the league by thirty because he's on that pace. An expiring contract should hold more value in today's NBA to take back contracts back. But he's getting bought out. And when he was traded, it was for, like, John Henson, Tony Snell, and a second-round pick. Like, he needs to be able to buy into that or his career is in jeopardy. Like, he, like he might – he's going the Greg Monroe route if he's not careful. But, you know, it's all up to him to figure that out. So, real quick, yeah, Kevin, I got, I got a comparison Go real ahead. quick. Sorry, Ryan. Um, Kevin, would you rather have Andre Drummond or Jonas Valanciunas? Ooh. Ooh. It's easy. Hmm. It's easy. Uh, I mean, I like Valanciunas. I'm not going to lie. Valanciunas has contributed on some good teams, like obviously now with the Grizzlies and back in the day with the Raptors. But, I mean, 
I, I think I gotta slightly go with Drummond. I think Drummond is better on the defensive end. <laughs> there is no world that I would ever pick Drummond over him. But I'm gonna let uh, Austin and Ryan. I, I'm curious because in lock so in locker room, I don't. I think I've seen. I know I've seen your uh, your icon, Austin. I'm pretty sure, Kevin. How long have you been on locker room? Uh, I've been off and on, but it's my first time being off in like two months. Okay, cool. I, I thought I'd seen you a while back, but uh, so in locker room, we we have randomly these stupid debates, and this one, uh, Jonas Valanciunas and Andre Drummond came up, I'd say about a month ago, and people really they they all were, I'd say seventy five percent were taking Andre Drummond over Jonas Valanciunas, and it blew my mind. Um, and I know I'm here local, and I'm very biased, but. Uh, I want to ask Austin and Ryan both, what do y'all think? Austin, you go first, uh, and Ryan, you can transition to something else after this if you want to. Uh, sure. Yeah, my mind is equally bunked. I really thought they'd be the opposite, where 75% would take Valanciunas. His That's what I thought. An impact. Yeah, his defensive impact is night and day between Drone. And, his, and again, I'm not, I'm not a stats junkie to where that's all that matters. It matters with context, like everything else in life, context matters. His rebounding percentage, his rebounds actually matter. Because they're off, they're contributing to the team, not towards his own bad misses. Because he can't shoot from outside of three feet from the rim. Jonas actually <laughs> can a little bit. So, like, on offense, he's beating them. His rebounds actually matter, and his defense is night and day. What else is there? I would even take him better as a playmaker, too. Like, I don't, I don't see on paper on the court where Drummond exactly beats him at. Because the numbers look pretty. That, and so does Hassan Whitesides. That, but he still gets a vet minimum for a reason. Because the impact of those numbers, they're empty calories. They're, they're just fancy stats or 2K numbers without any substance. Not that they can't contribute to winning in the right system. They can. If he, like I said, if he buys into the right place, he can have impact. But honestly, like, Memphis isn't Detroit, but it's not a super team. It's Memphis. So it's not like he's getting help from, like, Greg Popovich to be a better player. He's in Memphis right now, and he's doing pretty damn well. His impact... You can see it. I can't see Drummond's anywhere, paper, court, otherwise. Yeah, that's where I was going to go with Drummond is that, to me, it's very situational. And and if you're just looking at the top teams that are, you know, considered true contenders, I think with the wide-open season that we have, I think you could make a case for probably four to six teams that believe they have a legitimate shot and – I don't know how many of those six teams to save one, like the Brooklyn Nets, would actually want Drummond and then B, would have a role for him that he would be happy with that would actually um, bolster them. Um, So I like Drummond. I'm definitely not giving up on him. I think it is like he's never had a pick-and-roll guy to go with. Um, So... Is he interesting with John Morant in pick and roll? Probably. Probably a lot more fun than watching Reggie Jackson in pick and roll with Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, but I I haven't given up on Drummond. He does kind of have those Andrew Bynum kind of vibes to me where he was just kind of like out of the league immediately, like Austin said, and we were like, where did Bynum go? Um <laughs> So I'm not sure if that's going to happen with Drummond. I hope it doesn't because I think there is a good player in there. To me, it's about fit and what kind of a player he, like, is he going to realize what he ultimately should be to a good team or not? If not, he should just keep 
doing what he's doing on bad teams, and that's collecting statistics. Um, but this, to finish this up, I know we can probably debate about this. We were going to give some second half predictions. I don't know if you still want to do that, Daniel, if you have time to get to your other um, locker room here. Do you want to just fire it off real quick, or do you want to close it down for the night? Let's pass. I'm going to think of some something even better for next time. Okay, we'll save it then. So, Austin, Kevin, thanks for joining us. We are here every Thursday at 7. Um, so, please join us again. Usually, uh, another friend of ours, Cody, is on here. He wor- had to work tonight. Um, so, he is kind of just the wild, loose cannon of the group, and he'll just say anything even if he has no idea what's going on. So, it's fun to uh, joke and mess around with him. So, thanks for joining us. We are Free Basketball Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Free Basketball 3, part of the Lead Sports Media. Make sure you follow them. Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Hope everyone is getting ready to fill out their brackets because I'm sure we will be talking about that in a couple episodes coming up. So everyone have a good rest of the week and enjoy the continuation of the NBA season. Thank you, guys. See you. <laughs>